All right, everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Blue Morpho podcast. And today we have Adam McGinnis on. And Adam is a visionary. This guy is a light in the world when it comes to media and entertainment, music. He's a musician. And he has one of the wildest stories I know about what's going on in entertainment and media. And personally, I've had an opportunity to spend a lot of time with Adam, and I consider him a close friend and absolutely love this guy. So it's a pleasure to have Adam on the show. Adam, thank you for being on with me. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners who don't know you. Sure. Uh, I guess the Cliff Notes version of it would be um, I'm from New York originally. Uh, I got into music probably about 20 years ago, uh, started to be on the fringes of it, learning, understanding music. Um, I happened to be in a very interesting position where I was able to learn from very high level Grammy award winners and number one songwriters in the very beginning because um, I was kind of surrounded by it in the area that I was in. And uh, so people getting onto radio and TV was sort of a normalized thing. Uh, I thought everyone who can sing would become famous because it was so normal from where I was, my position I was in. And then I was not a talented person at all. Uh, I couldn't play instruments. I couldn't sing. Uh, but there was something that intrigued me about music. And I had a, uh, I guess you would call it like a visionary moment one time where I was sort of uh, on the fringes and asking the, the universe or God and saying, where should my life attention be set upon? And I was shown a very, very clear vision. Uh, and in that vision was... Uh, much to do about the way the importance of music and the frequency that it carries and what I must do. So I began a path of learning how to play music, went from being called tone deaf by several vocal coaches. They were like, you can't sing, you know, like you should not try to sing. Um, this would not be a good idea for you. And um, I learned that if you can study vibration in your body, that you can train your muscles to actually become a tuning instrument. And that's how I learned how to sing. Uh, then with instruments, I realized everything was more of like systematic and mathematics, and you can, once again, muscle memory. And uh, I just stuck with it, and then uh, now I'm a five-time award-winning songwriter and producer. Um, I have songs on over 150 programs on TV and movies, uh, some of the biggest movies like Fast and Furious, campaigns for BMW, Hyundai, like a lot of those major campaigns. Um, I have the Song of the Year for the K-Pop Awards of 2022, which has passed. Um, so it's one of the biggest songs of the year. And a lot of the things that I've been able to do, I believe come from uh, really setting intention because I found a book recently of myself when I was, after I had that vision and I wrote out everything that I was going to do and I happened to find that book and then I read it out loud and it's literally everything that has happened, which has been pretty wild. But um, from that and how we met is because I understand the integral parts of frequency and, and this, the mathematics that are hidden within music and hidden within, uh, let's say, this dimensional code, um, I'm able to also teach other people how it works. And so I have a mentorship program, which is an online company where I actually show people, like, this is the actual sacred geometry that's in all music. Every single hit song has sacred geometry in it. And I don't even have to hear the full song. I can hear 30 seconds of the song. I can tell you how the rest of it works. Because it's not about how we think we feel about music. It's actually based on algorithmic programming that's happening on a subconscious level. And once I was able to put those numbers together, uh, that's when I said, okay, how can we use this for positive? Because I can tell when it's being used in, let's say, um, uh, a way that can be sabotaging, especially today in today's current society. You can see that there is a shift in how people are getting attention. It's not from intention. It's from shock value. And that shock value has a resonance that can create real damage in the being that that abides by that program and sucks it in and starts to live by it and pass along to its friends and families. Um, and so I feel like there's a shift happening and a split, and I'm trying to help people um, realize they have the free will to change it back to being in line with source and being aligned with, um, let's say, the, 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 the energy that can actually create a more fruitful, uh, harmonized existence on this planet oh it's fantastic i've heard a lot of people talk about kind of the more controversial side of of music and media and mass mass media and marketing that's going on and then also labels being involved in occult practices and stuff like that 
Have you had any kind of interaction or, or firsthand knowledge of any of that kind of stuff going on? I could say that I've been invited to some of the parties that have have turned out to be things of that nature. Um, I've always had a sense when someone invited me that something was off. Um, kind of like in the intention of how they invited me and, and sort of the things they would say, I can see from the resonance of what they were talking about. And a lot of times how I access information is based on the resonance of when someone's speaking. Um, so they might be saying certain words, but I'm hearing a different story. Hmm. Uh, same thing when I'm looking at someone's body language, they might be saying certain words, but I'm hearing a whole different story. And I pay more attention to the underlining tone than the actual, uh, like the branded version. So uh, yes, I have been invited to things that have turned out to be that. I do have friends that have confided in me who've literally cried to me in confidentiality of things that they've seen and they've witnessed. Um, and what I would say that it, the, on the outside, it's very clear that there is a certain usage of shocking uh, uh, visuals that are either satanic or that are rooted in over-sexualization and it's being done and then it's being hyped as almost like it's freedom. Um, and if you look at even just the last couple of years, if you look at some of the album covers of some of the major pop stars, there's like upside down, upside down crosses in them. There's things that say holy something or unholy or there's a lot of this usage and someone could say, well, it's like the satanic pa uh, panic from back in the day. But this is different because this is being used by people who are who are selling songs to like 12 year olds. So it's, it's a little bit different in that, like some of these artists, their fan base are basically 12 to 21 year old girls or, or young boys. Um, and so it, it's interesting because I've questioned some people, um, some executives, and I've said, why would you give a million dollar contract to a, a kid who's teaching other kids how to shoot each other? And their answer has never been something based in intention. It's always been, oh, well, you know, people choose what they're going to listen to. And I go, yeah, but if you're programming more people to do it and telling young kids that it's cool, kids are going to follow what they think is going to put them in the tribe of being cool, especially if they feel like they're outsiders. I mean, that's kind of like a, a, a no brainer. Um, why would you actively and willingly support that? It's like actively and willingly supporting someone who's putting poison into the water. You would say no, but if I say poison into your ear, you say yes. Like, why would you do that? And it's interesting because when I question them, they do, have, they do come to a place of accountability um, because I'm not afraid to ask an executive where I think a lot of musicians and producers are afraid to talk with executives as people because it's always looked at as this, like you're the gatekeeper to a career rather than you're a friend and we're doing this music industry thing together and the more that we put our energy in, we're affecting people. That's why there's millions of plays. Some songs have billions of plays, mm. you know, three billion plays. But then you watch an interview with some genius mind and it has 100,000. So there's more information being spread around about music than there is, let's say, about true consciousness and how to be reward system about being a good person. So when I've asked them these things, they do come to a moment and I've, I've had been in meetings with people where they start, they start to laugh when I question them like, yeah, but this, yeah, but that. And then I don't let them run from it. And I go, no, no, think about what you're saying. And then there's a change and shift in the room where the other producers and writers are thinking, Adam, why are you asking this person? They might not want to buy our song. There's that thing. And then I'll say, no, 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 I'm just curious from what you said, can you explain this? How would you say this is great art? And then there's a moment where even the executive then changes because they realized that they weren't being held accountable for the, even their thoughts because they were making accounting. They're making money for someone else. Yeah. And so I think it's just one of those things that it, the more of us that are looking at it as like a brotherhood and a sisterhood of like, what are we really doing? How are we really implanting ourselves and programming these kids? Um, what do we really want to leave behind? And let's be... Uh, subjective about these things, but also let's have clear thought and not just say it makes money. Because if money is the god, then this planet is, is just not only much but more demise. It, that's only going to happen because money will go after anything that's weak and young and, and uh, you know, just it takes advantage of things. That's how it works. Um, so anyway, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that a lot. Um, and I think a lot of the music industry, and this is sort of the... Um, the short form, but it's very hard to find, let's say, a legendary artist. It's very hard to find. You're not going to find another Ray Charles just walking around. You're not going to find another 
Adele just walking around. Those people don't just walk around. That that's a uh, that's a gift that's been crafted. It's been mentored. It's been through things. It's 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 like a diamond. It's been hardened, right? But it's very easy to find someone in today's world that is willing to do things for shock, for money. That's a very easy thing to find. I mean, you can literally throw a piece of gum out of a window in Los Angeles and you'll hit someone who's willing to do something shocking for money. Hmm. So a lot of times what people do is they find artists who are willing to do shock. They make some songs that have no real resonance, but they sound good. And then the song gets out there. The artist does a bunch of things to get on headlines because it's less about the music, more about the visual. And then after five or six years, they forget about them and they just find someone else. Well, you can't do that with an Adele. You know, that you can't do that with a Ray Charles. It's like if six years go by, if you can't find one, it might be hard to find another one of those. Um, so I think the industry has turned more into how do we keep the lights on? And that's more about creating buzz rather than how do we um, create amazing music and art that gets us spread around the planet. And because that shift has happened in the intention of what they're looking for, um, it's kind of skewed the direction of where listeners even go to hear things. Yeah, I mean, I've been noticing over the last 20 years that music has, in my mind, just gone downhill, like at least what's out there. And then through meeting you guys and, and other people that are also interested in conscious music, I actually started to like really look deep around the world for independent artists and actually found the exact yes. opposite. In the last 20 years, there's this huge explosion of independent artists that are using, you know, social platforms and YouTube and stuff like that, Spotify, whatever streaming services to get their art out there. And there's actually some really incredible things going on. So it seems like there's this divergence happening where like real art is starting to, you know, catch on again and it's edgy, it's out there, it's unique, it's it's very interesting. And then there's like this pop world that it seems like in the last 15 years has just gotten like one step worse, one step worse, you know, kind of like you're saying, hunting the money. Uh, for you, what are like the really positive things that you actually see taking place today in entertainment and music and who's part of that and how is that kind of taking shape? I think it's a, a, really just a, a runoff of what you just said. There's this emergence or this divergence of people who are staying true to their art and finding genuine fans who enjoy it. So for instance, I have friends who aren't signed to major labels. Um, they aren't signed to major publishers. They have no songs on the radio, but they have half a million plays on Spotify a month. So they're able to afford a pretty good living just by their streaming side. And then they also go on tour and they get paid really well on tour. So they're able to provide a really good existence through music. And I think a big part of that comes from all of the movies regarding music have the same plot. And so when someone gets into music for, um, for attention to fill a void and not because they feel like it's a genuine passion of theirs or, or a gift. The minute I change the pay scales for musicians, you'll see many people would actually quit. So if I told someone, for instance, um, you can't make a million dollars in music, you're, you're going to make the same amount that a doctor makes. So you'll make six figures. The amount of musicians who would say, oh, I don't want that then because doctors aren't famous. You know, doctors aren't known. The average doctor down the street is not well known around the world. If I take away the attention, if I take away the money, so many people would just quit music altogether because they're not in it for making music. But for the people who actually have an intention to make great music and leave great art behind, that kind of person can make a living nowadays more so than ever before in history. And it's out there with these platforms. Now there's gonna be a barrier to entry, which means you might have to do more songs because there's less promotion. You might have to build it up for more years. Uh, you might have to find that niche marketplace. But once you do, they tend to kind of connect. So the fans of this kind of music most likely will like your music and that it's kind of has this thread. Um, so yeah, I, I see that more happening. And I think the next level of that will be, there's no container for it yet. So there's that major ra record label side that has a container for it where they, they house the artists, they have a full creative services, management, uh, producers, A&R, uh, marketing, touring. I mean, it's a full list of, of services that a label does. And a lot of these independent artists don't have that. So what tends to happen with them is that they're doing it all on their own and they do get burnt out after a certain period of time because they don't have booking agents that are doing all the work for them because the booking agent is trying to make $30,000 a gig on the big artist rather than $5,000 a gig from the conscious artist. So until there's this sort of a container of people that realize I rather be 
working over here for my, let's say, karmic duty in a sense. Like I'd rather be over here and I could still make money. I might not have a mansion, but I'll still be able to make a good living and I'll be able to support something that I think is actually positive for this planet. Well, I think once that happens, that container will start to open up. More people will start to switch um, and there'll be more of a balanced playing field. And I think that'll happen over the next five, 10 years. Are you seeing that already in the music industry that there's like different places in the world maybe emerging or different kinds of labels that are being creative to try to provide this kind of extra support to independent artists? I see it, but it's still very, very, very mismal. You know, it's, it's still, cause usually what happens is the people who have a lot of connections, a lot of, um, let's say quote unquote networking power, they tend to stay where they make the most amount of money. So for them to then shift over and then use that, it doesn't really happen as much. And for the people who are building it in that world, it takes time to have enough of that infrastructure. So it's still in this, this movement where it's, you know, it's there, I see things popping up here and there. Um, and that's the reason why I say when I look at it, I think it's kind of like the Wild West in the best way for artists like this, because this is the time where record labels or people who can can see what's happening go, wait a second. I've made some money. I have my connections, but something doesn't feel right in what I'm doing because there's 12 year old kids who are now more depressed, uh, you know, getting involved with more things that are going to be sabotaging themselves, higher anxiety, higher suicide, higher addictions. And a lot of it's coming from the media, which is the medium of that information. So why am I doing this just so I can have a big house? And once they start to go over here, which I think they will, and I, I've met several people in the music industry, usually after they spend time with us out here uh, or other places where they have a moment of clarity. And from that moment of clarity, they, they go, wait a second, what am I doing? And I think it just takes time to build a community of those people. So when you say what you guys are doing out there, what are you doing out there? Yeah, Where right. are you? Where are you and what yeah. are you doing? And when did you decide to start doing something different? So I'm not going to give my exact location, <laughs> but uh, so we live in the jungle in Costa Rica. And um, what we do in the, I guess, a short form without going too deep is we provide a really in-depth way of resetting the human condition out of its program to self sabotage. And in that we allow the part that comes forward, which is usually a, a large part of creativity and beauty and love and community. We allow that to have a place to um, not only be supported, but to have uh, to capture and to grow. And when I say capture and grow, like as meaning we have a recording studio, that's, that's high end. Um, we have um, a beautiful retreat center. Um, we have a great facilitation team and people who are leading it and people who are invested for our lifelong. This isn't a, a let's, uh, let's see what this does. This is not how we operate. This is a lifelong that we'll pass along to our children, our children's children. Um, so in a sense, almost like a reboot system, but in that reboot system, it gives you a chance to, um, for artists and for creative types and we have doctors who come out here from Harvard and Yale and, and uh, people who are in, involved in different medicines and uh, spiritual practices and a lot of different things that we've been able to see. But basically, we're, um, we're kind of like an incubator for what I believe can be a new way of, uh, of harmonizing on this, this planet. And music is a big part of that. That's amazing. What, what kind of music are you guys doing, working with? What kind of artists? What's the plan around music? Uh, yeah, so as far as music, I have a lot of different musicians who come out for different reasons. Uh, and I'll, I say I and then I say we. So um, I mentor a lot of musicians online. And so in that mentorship program, a lot of them come out here. And what we've seen is that there's an arc to when people leave a major city and when people uh, get a chance to be around a community that supports them, especially with uh, creative types because a lot of creative types are very empathic and that's how they're able to uh, write the music that they do is because they're able to really touch in with their emotions. But what happens is in a major city, they have a lot of processes going on. And if you think of the brain like a computer, when you have a lot of processes, your computer can't run as good. 
have to clear out the processes in order to let it actually run smoothly and actually run more powerfully. So, in the same thing, when they come out here, they're able to remove a lot of the processing power and they're able to come back to that computing power in a sense. And, and let's say their, their Wi-Fi is able to work more clearly because it's less static and they're able to be more connected with, let's say, source information. So when they come out here, we do um, these songwriting sort of escapes where they get to actually get back to why they started writing songs in the first place. And then they get to take that out into the world and use that energy, which I've seen, literally, I've seen people transform because even when it comes down to hearing, and I think I talked to you about this recently, um, when you're in a major city, your ear, or anywhere else in general, but when your ear shoots off cortisol, happens when it usually goes above 85 decibels. So the same thing if like a dog just started barking behind you. If you're a big Rottweiler, you're going to jump up, and that's going to shoot cortisol and adrenaline into your body. Now, to get someone into a deep state of, let's say, trance or, or fear, you'd be shooting that cortisol all the time. And then eventually, that's how it becomes the running of their system. That comes the back line of how they operate, of that operating system. And so in a major city, they're hearing buses and, and ambulance and sirens and fighting and, and motorcycles. And all these things are happening at very, very high levels, which is way above the 85 decibel mark. Hmm. And when that 85 decibel mark is hit, hit over and over again, they're processing all these things, but they're not being allowed to process themselves. So they get kind of confined. So I've seen major things with those artists who are up and coming to basically disconnect and then really see themselves for the first time in a long time that they haven't because it's been so kind of um, so over-sensitized. Um, now, the other thing when I say the we with, with our company is we put on private retreats where we invite like the last one had musicians from 14 different countries who were all experts in their craft. And what we've noticed is that there's a very interesting thing that happens when experts in their mus musical fields come together. Um, the first part is that every person who becomes a master at, let's say, blues or, or um, some sort of genre, let's say, that genre came from a certain root. So you can kind of trace it back. You can hear when someone's good at Celtic songs, you're like, okay, I can hear where it came from. It came from this era of the world. Or if someone's really good at classical music, you can tell where it came from in the world. So when you bring people from different countries who are all masters, meaning they're past the thought process, they no longer have to think. It, it's more of a reaction of uh, and being a direct source to, to be inspiring and to be creative. When you put all of them in a room together, and kind of say, just play. When you go back to the idea of playing, uh, there is a beauty that happens in the music because when, when I play something in blues, someone else might play something, like I said, with Celtic, someone else might play something indigenous, someone else might play something from Brazil. You have all these different sounds that start to react almost like a chemistry. And music is the only like, language in a sense that has no real words. So as this chemistry starts to interact with one another, it actually becomes its own sort of source, like, it's like let's say a ball of energy. And as that ball of energy bounces around the room, as one musician gets inspired and passes it to another musician, and passes another, that starts to grow. And what we've seen is that growing of energy actually has a healing property to it. And it's not in a, in a woo-woo or hippie way. I mean, it generally creates an energetic ball that's rooted from where people have learned, in, in a sense, uh, information, because that's what the, the energy is. It has information rooted in it. And as that goes across the audience, I've seen people healed. People come up right. to me and they said, I've, I've healed from addictions. I've healed from, from traumas. I heal from things. And I'm like, from what? They're like, from the concert. Right. So that's a little bit about what we do. It's, it's, not a, it's not a planned thing. It's we just take all these amazing musicians who we already know are connected to that source anyway, and we put them in the same room together on the same stage and say, we have no clue what songs can come out. Just press a chord and let's see where this goes. And one song will become an hour-long experience. And no one knows, even the people on stage have no clue what's going to come out. And that's where we've seen what you would call real magic in real time. That's fascinating. Is this the first time in your life you've ever seen anything like that happen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been playing music for a long time. Um, and I've seen people jam on songs that they know, which is great. You know, every, every artist, when you go on a major tour, after around the six, six weeks to like three months, 
there's a gel that starts to happen because now they understand the, the audiences, they know the reaction points, they know where the big height of the, the show comes and it takes them some time because they have to do it live to feel, feed off the audience. But they're usually creating songs that they know, okay, you're going to this chord and the next is that chord and we'll follow you. But it's, I've never seen it where people say, I have no clue what's going to happen right now. Let's do this in front of people and then uh, let's do it for as long as we can. Let's try to ride that wave, that flow state for as long as we can. I've never seen that except for what we've done out here. Um, and I'll be honest, some of the musicians come up to me. Not some of them, actually. Like, all of them come up to me and say something. But some of them come up and say very specific things. And one of the specific things being uh, that was the best show I've ever played, that I've ever been a part of. I've never been a part of something like that with that many amazing musicians. Um, and two, that they've been healed on stage as well. Because when they, let's say, close their eyes, they're in a state, they're like, I was in a trance, a full-on trance while I was up there. And it's because they were able to let go of the processes and then kind of explore the possibilities, but live in front of people, which is, um, it's pretty impactful when you see it. Yeah. That's amazing. Is that like the ultimate form of improvisation? Like what's yes. going on for these guys? Yeah. Oh, completely. Because, and you can see it too. Now that, now that we've done a couple of these, so I kind of know what I'm looking for. Um, or I know that the, the cue points, let's say, but for instance, um, the piano player last time, no clue what he was going to play. He just started playing a chord progression. And then it happens in the eyes first, which if we think of the idea of the eyes or the windows to the soul, um, you'll see first the person plays the chords and then there, there's a violin player that sees what they're playing. And then it almost like they trigger in their mind, like, okay, I know what would go really well. And then they look at their hands and they're, where they're going to play. So there's like a contact point and they start to play something. And then the cello player will look at them, look at their hand placement, hear the music, and then they do a thing and they'll nod. They even do like a, it's a very subconscious thing. But then the drummer will start to do the same thing too. And you start to see it's like a passing of this information. And similar to the way birds and fish, they move on like on a drop of a dime and they yeah. don't know where they're going, but they know they're going there together. That happens musically. So it's, yeah. it's this, this morphogenic field that's created and it, it literally happens on a dime where someone changes the chord and everyone's yeah. like, move, move right with it fast. That's amazing. Yeah. We've seen that in ceremony between us and nature and sort of the entire space. And you get three, four shamans all working together and everyone's in that sink. And nature seems to move with it too. And I think what happens, I think it's just like how schools of fish move or or how herds move. I think it really is. I think it's like like everybody gets into this fourth dimensional or time-based sink. And then from that perspective, they're able just to keep able, you know, to follow each other and uh and work off of each other, but ultimately stay uh fully connected. Like often you'll see with just like you're saying with the schools of fish that like they're all connected in time, right? They're all moving together in time. And we know time is a fourth dimensional sort of phenomena for us, the way that we understand it. And it sounds like you guys are, are as this group of musicians, able to ultimately tap into that same field together and become like that, become like a herd or like a school of fish, able to follow each other, but with each person having this like mastercraft that they're capable of, this art within themselves, tapping into the same source that it's allowing each person to to connect and flow with each other at the same time that's exactly what happens that sounds like unbelievably amazing have, mm -hmm. have you had any uh like tests yet with this other than just people being there but like actually having the opportunity to maybe like add specific intentions or mm. other kinds of medicines or anything like that into this kind of an experience we haven't done anything with um with a way to find data in a sense, other than the emotional, uh, let's say reflections that people come up and talks about after the show. Uh, but one thing that we could do in the future is do actual readings on people and like use EEG monitors and find data points, heart rate variabilities and see what changes in the audience and actually monitor it. I do know that there is a, there's a guy I met uh, recently who has a company called I think it's, I want to hope I say it correctly, but I think it's Kululum. And basically they do these concerts where they invite, in, in one of the concerts, for instance, they invited 1,000 Jews, 1,000 Muslims, and 1,000 Christians. They taught them songs in different languages so everyone was connected. And the audience is actually the lead uh, singer and the musicians play with the audience. And that person got a grant 
to follow 12,000 individuals who will, who will be going to these shows to track data on how it's changed their life to be around this kind of frequency bubble. Um, and I believe that that kind of data is what's going to start to change the perspective of the power of music. Because people have a very limited idea when they say, oh, music is powerful. And I'm like, I don't think you understand the words when you're saying this. It's almost like, it's kind of like the word love, where because no one's really held accountable for the words that they use, uh, it's, be it's become a place where these massive words, with words that are filled with so much information and intention are, have been truncated to fit the person who's saying it. So they're like, oh, I love that suitcase. I love that purse. I love that t-shirt. And like, you don't love these things. You like them, but you don't love them. And it's the same thing when someone's like, music is powerful. I'm like, yeah, but I don't think you realize how big that word actually is. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like re remove music and, and think about what your daily life would be like. Just remove it. And that's, yeah. go, go two months without listening to music. Yeah. Every TV show would not be, as, be the same show. Just remove it from the background every TV show. And you'd be like, oh, this show is not the same. Yeah, because there's no music. Remove it from when you go work out. Remove it from when you when you make love. Remove it from when you go to a party. Remove it from when you go to a festival. Just remove it and see how your life changes. And then you realize how integral it is to your life. Not just powerful, but it's integral. And I think that, uh, like once again, the word doesn't usually match when people say it a lot of times. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. I mean, I think you know, music is probably one of the most powerful forms of interaction and expression. And it's been around since we've been able to clap our hands. It's been around since we were able to bang sticks around or rocks, get literally anything that could make sound and we could start to connect rhythm to it and then be able to use our, our voice as an instrument to be able to make sounds that go along with it. This has been part and parcel of our evolution for at least 200,000, 300,000 years. I mean, this has mm -hmm. been for sure going on. And uh, you see how it affects culture. You see how it shapes culture how all these different indigenous cultures have different sounds and different kinds of, of music that you can listen to that and go, oh, I know that that comes from this culture. It comes from that culture, right? And, but all the cultures have it, right? I've never met a culture that doesn't have some kind of instrumentation or some kind of music directly associated mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. And then you think about what music is for us growing up. So there's like a music that goes along the, the trajectory of our lifetime. People are like, mm -hmm. oh, that's old person's music. Oh no, that's the mm -hmm. young, young person music. It's like all these different kinds of music goes on. And then there's this historical influence of music. Now we have it broken down to decades. There's the, the 90s music, 80s music, uh -huh. 70s music, 60s music, you know, et cetera. And so I look at it, and I think that people don't realize how pervasive this is and how powerful it is. And I also think that the power that sits behind it has only been scratched. Like the yep. surface has, we've only touched the surface of this. And these phenomena are coming out that I'm starting to see now that weren't out when I was a kid, or at least I had no way to know. So when I was mm -hmm. 10 years old or 20 years old, I didn't hear of concerts with two, three, four different kinds of cultures being represented that might be in conflict and then people singing together. And I just saw a video on that. I know you were talking to me about it, but then I actually looked it up and saw a video on it and it's powerful. Like it's a powerful. really, it's a very powerful thing. And then the idea of healing through sound and healing through music that's something that the cultures I studied in the Amazon have been doing for a long period of time, but it's a, it's a very narrow bandwidth of how it's practiced and how it's understood. But there's been this idea that I've been hearing about getting healing into the music itself. And I know we've been tapping into it for about 10 years, really interested in it. And, you know, hearing you guys being able to put a group of people together and have spontaneous healing experiences shows that this this is completely possible, right? This yeah. is a this is an absolute phenomena that can ultimately be built on. And I think it's unbelievably exciting because the power of this music, as we get more and more understanding about it, can ultimately be used for good. It could be used for a way to be able to help awaken people and be able to get the message of that awakening out there much faster. So mm -hmm. one of the hardest problems about putting out a good message is how do you distribute it? You know, and I know you've talked to me before about the idea, well, if you could get that message into a song that goes out to 3 billion people, then you're able to distribute it in a really, you know, fast and amazing way. Considering all of that that's going on, it seems like, you know, what we've talked about is sort of this like really light side of things that's going on, this really dark side of things that's going on. What are the steps you think that are necessary now to get this, this growth and interest in using music for all the positives, using music for healing, what has to happen to uh, really, really grow that now in the mm -hmm. world? 
That's a great question. Um, before I answer that, there was something you said about the you said about the human voice, and I wanted to touch on that, which is the human voice and the power in the human voice. And we say this, we're like, oh, the, the power of our words, the power of our intentions, the power of the resonation, the power. We say these things. But it's really fascinating when you think about the human voice is the only voice of any animal that's on this planet that we know of at least that will go from a whisper to communicate to singing opera that you can hear miles around the road. So one thing about living in the jungle is that there's one woman out here who sings opera. And I know when she rehearses. I know when she's in, I know exactly where she lives. I've never met her, but I know exactly where she lives because I can hear the resonation, how far it's traveling to where when she starts to practice, I'm like, oh, she's practicing again. For a voice to expand that much and signal and anyone can do it. Anyone can learn opera, which means it's part of the integral way that our bodies actually work when it's at its highest usage, let's say. Mm -hmm. I think it's something that's been downplayed, but something that anyone can do. To me, it's, it's, it's interesting to have people who say, oh, I only sing in the shower. You're like, but that's something that's integral to how you're actually able to exert and, and emote and express. You can actually sing opera that will travel miles. No, I only sing in the shower. And I only sing these pop songs. Hmm. So I think it's really fascinating with me when it comes to human voice, because I'm like, it's so much more powerful than people know. And I think, unfortunately, people get judged by it. Because someone will start singing like, oh, everyone laughed at me, so I stopped. Hmm. So it's this weird barrier of entry that you have to be liked to be famous in order to express yourself sonically. There's no whale that's doing that. There's no whale. It's like, oh, the other whales laugh at me. So therefore I'm not pushing out my sounds. <laughs> you know, like I'm not doing it. And I think a large part of it too, and this is like, um, uh, you know, one of those things that's part of most animals is that it's, it's a lot of times used as a mating call. And that's the reason why people would say, oh, that singer, oh, a lot of people are attracted to that singer, him or her. It's because it's used as a mating call. So when you take away the branding of a lot of things, um, I realize there's a, there's a very interesting thing about the way we process information. And it comes down to the, the setting and the context of what it's in. So if I remove the stage and I remove the fans, it's someone sending out a mating call or a connecting call or, mm. or a chant or something like that. Right. But the minute I put a brand behind it and dancers and everything now, it's like, no, it's a show. Mm. Um, so I just find that really fascinating about setting in context, especially when it comes to human voice. And I wish more people emoted through singing because I think that they would almost remove a lot of traumas that they have. And they don't realize how powerful that, that pushing out of the energy and that call does to other people when they are fully free to emote because I think when they keep it blocked in, it's almost like they're keeping trapped energy in. Um, and that's why you see these, um, sometimes you'll see these um, uh, retreats where people just, they're just yelling, right? And they're just get, getting it all out. And they're like, get it out, get it out. And like, yeah, you're getting out trapped stored energy. But mm -hmm. all of us can be doing that all the time. Like when I sing, I think a, a big reason of why why I'm not as stressed and people ask me like, oh, you don't, you don't seem to react too much about certain things. And I'm like, I sing every day. I sing every single day. So every, if there's something in there, I'm getting it out. And if I know it or not, but it's, it's coming out. Um, so anyway, on to your other question about uh, what do I see? Cause about the light and the dark. Um, I kind of view it as a, I'll use, I, I said this to you before. It's more of like a sandwich um, technique where if you have something at the top and at the bottom, everything in the middle usually starts to come together. Uh, and I feel like the reward system right now in society is so unbalanced because we're re rewarding very negative behavior only because it creates eye gaze. And once we change the reward system, which can literally happen very quickly, the reward system is just a simple moving of the pieces in the code. Just, we are not going to reward that we're going to reward this. And once that shift happens, all of the youth who are looking a lot of times for reward systems, because that's how they're trained, will simply change the way they direct their energy. Because they'll realize it's more in line to get reward systems to actually feel good for yourself, more people to be of service, um, less of the I and more of the we. When that becomes the shift, then we can do that at the top by having artists who are already well-known. And I think this is gonna happen in the next couple of years. Um, and I've said this to other people before, but I think once, 
you can prove scientifically, which will happen, that you're able to heal people um, with certain frequencies. I believe certain artists for two reasons are going to release albums that are recorded at different um, hertz. So they might re release an album that's at 440 hertz for the main fans, let's say, but they might release an album that's at 432 hertz or 528 hertz or 417. And they'll say, for anyone who might be going through depression, if you listen to this version of the album, it actually is more soothing um, to your nervous system. So buy this one too, or buy this one instead. And I think by providing that, they're going to double their amount of income. And some people are going to buy the song like this, and some people are going to buy the song like that. But it's going to come once it's proven, and also put that artist in a way where the fans will say, oh, it's really nice that they did that, that they thought of us as well, right? So I feel like getting artists who are already established thinking like this, understanding it, um, being able to make money from it because they, they don't want to take a pay cut. And I think it's the reason why a lot of artists don't change their behaviors because they're like, I take a pay cut and the, the mansions and the houses. And I mean, the houses and the, the, the flights and the, the entourage that they're already paying for. If you say, Hey, change for the better, but you got to take a pay cut. A lot of them are going to go, well, no, 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 no. Like I have to get as much as I possibly can right now. Cause I'm on fire in a sense. So I think by giving away that gives them equally amount as money, maybe even more, but rewarded in a good light, then it'd be easier to switch over. And I think for the artists who are up and coming to have them generally question if, if people are getting famous and then being taken down, you know, within a year or two, cause that's what, that's what the marketplace happens when you have instant gratification and very, very short attention spans, an artist is going to be successful. And then you're not gonna hear from them two years later. So if that's what's happening, most likely in your field, wouldn't it be better to sustain yourself by being something truly to what you believe in? And I think once upcoming artists start to see that that's the better route is to wait, if I'm going to do music for the next 20 years, shouldn't I do something I truly believe in and become a master at that craft? And do I really believe in doing that? And if the answer is no, cool, go over here. So I think it's a mixture of those things. And then providing a container of services, like we were saying before, where there's booking agents and, uh, and tour managers and uh, A&R producers who all understand that they, in this version of the life that they're living, they have free will and they have the choice to, are they going to choose to do something that's actually beneficial past them getting money? And once they get to that point of their accountability, and they think to themselves, wait a second, I actually do, because I know if I could put out a song that actually helps people and not me tricking myself into saying it like, nah, because I was saying it like this. So that helped me. So it's going to help a lot of these other, like, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about knowing that if you leave this behind in 40 years, that song has something so intentional in there that you know that your kids could listen to it too. And they would feel something, not something you have to shield people from with this like PG 13 nonsense. If I put it on this planet, it's good for not just myself, but anyone who touches it. And I think once that starts to get into the mainframe, um, if we do it all in the collective front, which I believe social media has the power of doing, it's just about switching the reward system. Uh, so I think those things can happen in, like I said before, like next five, 10 years. Um, and these conversations that you and I are having and that some of the executives I've been working with are having and starting to question their own motives and question what they actually want to leave behind. Um, I think that's what gets the ball rolling and that's the start of it all. Yeah. And also I'll be honest, also people who have income who are willing to support the arts. Cause that's a lot of times how it used to be. You would have these amazing artists, but they were supported by the Kings and Queens. And now it's the artist trying to sell to the common people, which is, you know, if I was looking at it in the, in the sense of um, medieval times, yeah. when people of, infrastructure and influence and income can say, wait a second, we know this would be better for not just financial, but for our kids, kids, better planet. And we're going to get behind this and support that. I think if they supported it in the fashion, it'll become part of the mainstream because they'll have the money to also promote it and get it into the, the, the commonplace of thinking. Yeah. Can it ultimately compete uh, financially? Is there a way to actually yeah. have this compete and, and be better for the artists down the yeah. road? I think so. I, th I think this has more sustainability for the independent artist. And I think independent artists are what's going to sustain the actual, like if you look across the board, not just the, the top 50 household names, 
Like for instance, there's artists who I technically know their names, but I don't know one song they've ever done. I couldn't sing back to you a song of theirs. I know yeah. their name because they're always in the headlines of some sort. But there's other artists that I generally love what they create and I will support them. I'll share their music. I'll, I'll tell friends about them. So I think independent artists will have and do have right now the biggest chance to make a living from their art than ever before in history. But it will take some of those factors to make it to a place where those artists, let's say, and once again, these are using very grandiose levels, but to have an independent artist who uh, who does conscious music and let's say plays festivals and shows, I think people like that could make a million dollars a year. I think that's possible. They might not make 10 or 20, but make a million. Yeah, I think that's possible. That's amazing. Considering all of this, you know, you've been on this incredible journey from starting out being told you you're not even suited for this career and decided yeah. that you're going to make it your career. What advice do you have for anybody who's out there to get over those insecurities, get over the fears, mm. get over the singing fears, not just singing in the shower, bringing it out there, bringing their voice out there, allowing themselves to be heard, getting past ridicule, inner ridicule, external ridicule. What advice do you have for them to feel better about themselves and really express themselves? Mm. There's a lot of layers to that, uh, but I'll start with this. Um if you think of some of the top scientists in the world, when they had an idea, most of their other colleagues laughed at them. So it wasn't just people in a group setting at school. It was other top influential, intelligent people who had been to the best schools in the world, who'd been studying you know, religiously every single day, proving their things, all laughing at someone saying, what you're saying is crazy. And then usually what that person who was said to be crazy turns out to be right. Now, not in all cases, some people are crazy. They're crazy. And we see that a lot what's happening in social media right now. There's just a lot of crazy people running around. Um, but in, in the sense of, let's say, uh, what your question was, I think, and, the, and this is, uh, I'm trying to simplify this because, and I'll tell you the reason why I'm trying to simplify. I worked with an artist recently and I said, you have to get to that place where you have this limited lifetime, right? You have a time, a span, let's say. And in this span, you can choose to do something that you can truly master and love and be passionate about. And I want to make sure that you're doing music because it's that thing and not because it's going to try to fulfill some insecurities that you have. And you're going to tell the people, look, I made it, but it's not really the thing because the worst possible outcome in my position to help you as, as a mentor is to see you spend the next 10 years doing something that you actually don't love the most. I rather you go out and find that thing that you love the most and just do music as a hobby rather than go all in on this music thing, realize you're not cut out for it because you don't actually want to put in the time. You don't actually want to exude this kind of energy. You don't want to practice. You don't want to perform. You don't want to do these things at the level that's going to take um, if you really like cooking, go cook. Like that's, I'd rather you find that thing because what I tend to see is a lot of people think of the shininess of something and therefore go for it. It's kind of, I see this a lot in today's society where a lot of people are like gurus. You know, there's a lot of people who are sell this idea that they're a guru of something, but they've only been doing it for five years, you know? And I'm like, there's no, there's no one should even say the word guru unless you've been doing it for like 30 years. You know, like you, there's no way you can have that much information um, and that much fail testing, like test, fail, test, fail, test, fail to get so far from the pack. That's a lifetime thing. And so I see a lot of people who, who pretend really good on social media branding. And then I meet them in real life and their lives are falling apart. And so it's the same thing with music where I, I wouldn't say go all in on something unless that is your soul's calling. And I'm not saying that in a hippie way. I'm talking about your actual soul, which you have to understand is more than a metaphor. It's an actual thing. And if that thing is calling for music, if that thing can't go a day without a melody, without hearing music in your in your heart, if, if you speak in terms of music, if you see the world like that, yeah, that's a different thing. Go all in. And I think you have to get to that point to know if it is or not. That's to me the first thing. 
And I guarantee there's a lot of people who are technically successful in music who don't abide by what I just said, but making money and living out of soul's passion are, are two different things. So I'd rather someone live a soul's passion and you'll find money along the way and all the other things. So I would say that's the first part is figure out what that is for you, wherever the person might be listening to this, if they're trying to figure those things out, find your soul's passion, um, get in alignment with that. Because once you're in alignment with that, synchronicities happen a lot easier and they're more um, impactful because it tends to be like when you say something, you really mean it. And then other people really believe it. And then that starts to spread and that energetic information of who you are and what you really abide by start to spread a lot faster. Um, now, as far as the part of fears, I would also say that anything that's worthwhile is going to be scary. So get to that point when if you feel fear, realize it's also can be um, branded as excitement. It's the same exact release of, of chemicals. And if you could take that excitement and use excitement as propulsion and putting you into situations where they're going to be fearful, but then once you do it, you learned a lot. And if you love learning, then you're always going to be constantly growing. And so I think be passionate about constantly learning, which means constantly putting yourself in places and predicaments that are going to be a little bit uncomfortable because everything, when you say growing pains, the reason why your body goes through growing pains, because it's uncomfortable. You know, there's, there's a pain that happens when you are a little bit uncomfortable. And in that pain, if you can find a little bit of solace and meaning and passion and love for that small pain, then every single day, you'll be a version of yourself that actually has more compound value uh, for yourself and for others. So I think as long as you can put those things together, your soul's passion, being aligned. So when you say something, you have true intention, removal of manipulation, removal of tactics that actually will sabotage you in the long run. And then um, making sure that the fear is you want a little bit of that and you want to put yourself in positions that you, you might fail a little bit. So you have to practice more. You have to put yourself in that and, and be okay with failing because if you're not failing, you're not growing. So I think a lot of times in this society, people are trying to avoid failure at all costs. So they have a lot of these measurements of perfection. Um, and if you go for perfection all the time, you're never actually going to create spontaneity of, of, uh, of creativity because you're thinking like it has to be perfect. But some of those beautiful things through all of art are like a little bit crooked. And if you look at the Mona Lisa, if you look at like, you know, some of these amazing, some amazing painters like um, Basquiat or something, if you're looking at them, there's things are a little crooked mm. and that's what made it so beautiful. Um, so perfection should not be the archetype that people are going for. It should be resonation. That should be the the highest form of, of contentment. That's an amazing answer. Thank you for that. For you, what's success? I think that. It's it's resonating at a true form that I can leave behind and put on this planet and not not assimilate with with pride. It's more of assimilate with um with purpose and then being of service in a way that I actually know benefits the reason why I'm here and like the calling for being here. And I believe success in the eyes of people. Let's say if that's financial or relationship or friendships, I think that all is a residue of being in alignment with, you know, one's true purpose. Um, because I know a lot of people who are financially successful, but they're not fulfilled and their relationship success is very poor. Um, their friendship success is very poor. So I think when you're once again in that, that space, um, the frequency that that you're able to emit, that one is able to possess, uh, is something that can be considered spiritual, but it's actually how we're supposed to be activated here on this planet. Mm -hmm. So to me, that that is success. Is uh, is if you look past a lifetime and you're able to connect and maybe awaken or or create a message that's bigger than you on this planet while you're here. I think to me, that's success. That's incredible. Considering everything that's going on in the world today and what you've seen through the trajectory of your own life and what you've learned about yourself, what do you think your life purpose is or your personal mission is? How would you describe that? Uh, I know I'm here 
it's almost with a vengeance in a sense of error correcting. Um, I've always sort of held that. And now that I've been able to um, be okay with it, uh, to know that it's okay. It's okay when you feel something's wrong to change it mm-hmm. and not just to be a, a bystander of it. And I remember growing up a lot of times I would get in trouble in school and, and people would say, Oh, he's a wild kid. And I think that energy moving forward has always been used of, of saying like that thing is going off a cliff. We either have to stop it. We have to change the way that cliff works, but we, something has to happen. And for me, that's, that's my goal. That's my mission when it comes to music or harnessing the power of music and the power of people with music into saying, we see that something's going left right now. And we want to try and help it go right to the best of our ability. And more than can we, we know we should. And once it gets past the point of like, is it possible into, of course it is, because everything else that we've thought of as beings here has happened. So it's not like if it is, it it is. I'm here to lead that forward and to walk that line forward. And uh, my only goal is being aligned with those things that once again, bring order and harmony to this planet because right now it, it truly is um, it's being run into programs that people don't understand how, how their own brains work and how, how they can fall so easily into traps. And this, so they're forgetting the part of free will to choose it. Um, And so it's a little side note, but I noticed that, the world's in a state of hypnosis and it's created through a lot of the media and through high levels of adrenaline and cortisol and keeping people in a constant state of static and then a constant state of fear. Um, So it's hard for the person to actually really be activated when they're constantly in that state. And I don't mean it by once again, a woo woo or hippie way, or some people are like, Oh, fear runs this dimension. I'm talking about, no, High levels of cortisol and adrenaline are being shot through you all day long. Every time you get a ding on your phone, every time you watch a movie that has high loud sounds, every time that you're fearful about your rent being too high, every time you're fearful about what's going in your food, every time you're ingesting something that's going to be negative for you, every time we're talking about the levels of stress and dis-ease happening in this planet right now is at an all-time high. So when we look at it for what it really is and then remove ourselves from the reaction of it and go, wait a second. But where do we want to be once we're conscious of that? Or where do I want to choose to spend my time? Because wherever my eyes focus is what my attention is going towards. And I don't expect people to be perfect, but I expect, or what I'm trying to hopefully affect in a way, is taking the moment to then say, but where do I actually want to be? And that word actually has the word act in it. And so it's, how do I want to act in alignment with, with that harmony? And I think right now there's a split because a lot of people are acting like the thing they want to see, but the thing they want to see or be, they don't realize comes with a lot of downfalls until they're actually there. You know, it's like when I have a lot of friends who are, you know, successful actors and actresses and and musicians and everyone's like playing a role and they get the role and they talk about how horrible the role actually is behind the scenes because it's not really in alignment with who they are. And so my goal is to say, why don't we just become in alignment with what we really are? And why don't we figure out a system that works around that if you want it to be monetary? And why don't we figure out how to build a community around that? Because if that happens, then we have a chance to harmonize on this planet. And if we can harmonize on this planet, that frequency is on, it's much stronger than I think people realize. Um, so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, that's incredible. Uh, considering that, how do people follow you? How do they, how do they find you? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not really a followable person in the sense, uh, I have a company that, that, uh, puts up videos of different talks that I do about music. Uh, that's called music industry contact. It's on Instagram. Uh, my music, if people like to check it out is under a band called sons of Legion. So it's S O N S 
uh, so Sons of Legion. And uh, we're releasing a bunch of songs the next like two years. We've kind of been behind the scenes writing a lot of songs for TV shows and movies and producing other artists. Um, but we got the the um, I guess the ability and the and the the rights to release uh, Phil Collins' song in the air tonight. So that's going to be our next release coming out because um, we're both signed to the same company as Phil, and so we're allowed to redo that song. So basically, what we're focusing on is um, it's like soul rock um singer songwriter music uh and for the next like two or three years it's going to be focusing on uh on the band so if anyone wants to hear any good soul rock music go over to sons of legion god sounds incredible thank you very much for being on the blue morpho podcast thank you for sharing your heart and soul with us and it's been an absolute pleasure yeah thanks for having me man i appreciate it brother talk to you soon thank you so much you too man all right